11 verses, there are a few miracles that Jesus did involving fish, which would make sense because his first disciples were, they were fishermen. Who are the fishermen disciples? Who are they? Who are the fishermen disciples? John, James, there are two sets of brothers, right? James and John, and then, yeah, Andrew and Simon, Peter. So they were the, they were the, um, the fishermen, the two, the two duos of fishermen. And so this miracle this morning is a fisherman miracle. So let's, let's read it, and then we'll go through it a little bit more carefully. Luke 5 and verse 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been a scene? As the people, just all the people, they, they pressed near to hear the word of God. And so Jesus is by the lake, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he, hey, would you look at that? And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So obviously he's using the amplification of the water on the lake. He, and plus he's given himself a buffer from the crowds who would no doubt want to touch him and get close to him looking for a miracle or something. So he's, he gets in the boat, he thrusts out a little bit from the land and the the water naturally amplifies his voice as he speaks and he preaches a message. He teaches a lesson to the people. We don't know what the topic of the lesson was. We know that we know the theme of Jesus' preaching was the gospel of the kingdom. He would often speak about the good news of the kingdom of God that was coming. Now, verse 4, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, let's read this together. Ready? What did he say? He said, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Oh, fine, okay, I guess. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought the ships to land, they forsook all, and what? They followed him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the time that we have this morning. I pray that you'd bless our Bible study. Lord, help us to glean the, the truth that you would have for us today. I pray that we'd make all of the relevant applications to each of our lives. I do pray for my dad as he ministers uh, at Journey Church. I pray that, that, would be a, uh, that they'd have a great time in the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just meet with them in a special way. And I pray that you'd bless all that we do and all that we say today. Lord, we need your help. Uh, we need your presence. And so we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 
all of the all of the miracles of Jesus, as we're talking, we've been speaking about his miracles, all the miracles of Jesus have significance to them. There's a, there's a purpose behind them. Uh, for instance, what would have been the purpose of the, um, what were some of the purposes of the miracles? What would have been the purpose for the turning of the water into, the, into wine at, in, in um, Cana? At the, at the marriage supper, what would what would uh, what were thinking about the purposes of Jesus' miracles? He didn't just come to show off, right? We know that wasn't the point. Like, hey, that would be me if I had, you know, that's why I'm the apostolic gifts have ceased. That's good for me because I'd show off all the cool powers that I had and all the stuff I could do. Obviously, we know that wasn't the purpose of Jesus' miracles. So, what were the purposes of his miracles? What's that? Okay, yeah, to validate his claim to be being the Messiah. He's going to do a miracle that, that to show that was definitely a purpose. What, what else were, were reasons for the miracles? I've learned in these discussion format ones to drink my coffee real slow to let people's minds think, you know, and take another sip. Hopefully I don't run out. This is a very small cup. Hey, that was the one I was going to say next. You're absolutely right. That not only is it authenticating that he's the Messiah, but it is fulfilling the scriptures. That it was prophesied that some of these miracles would be done. So in the in his miraculous in his miraculous deeds, he was fulfilling the the, the prophecies. What else were purposes of them? Yeah, just to show compassion. It said many times. Now, he didn't heal everybody, but there were times where he was just, Jesus as the, the perfect king, son of God, knowing how he'd created the world, seeing the brokenness, there were times where he chose to just step in and show compassion, show compassion, and really give a glimpse of the coming kingdom of love, the kingdom of compassion. Yeah. What else would be a uh, reason for his miracles, miracles of Jesus? Yeah. That was, I was actually going to say that one next, if nobody did, to show, so they all knew that Messiah was coming, right? But Jesus clarified a specific thing about his Messiahship that the Pharisees had a really difficult time was, and that was Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh, the Son of God. So do you remember when there was the one miracle where he says, and we'll get to this one later on, it's it, it, very prominent in Mark's gospel, he um, tells the tells the man. Um, he heals the man. But first, before he heals him, he says, "Son, your sins are forgiven you." And what is the reaction of the Pharisees? Like, oh, you know, they're, they're oh, who and they said, "Who can forgive sins?" But, but God. And Jesus says, "Well, I get. I, I hear what you're saying, but just you're not wrong. Yeah." Exactly. You're not wrong, but just so you know that the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is a reference to him being Messiah, book of Daniel, he says, just so you know that the Son of Man has that power to forgive sins, he heals the man right in front of them. Boom, right there. So those are all really good, uh, those are all really good examples of why Jesus performs his miracles. What would you say, this one that we just read, what is the purpose of of this miracle? I think to answer that question, we've got to say, who was the audience of the miracle? 
the immediate audience of the miracle would be who? Fishermen. Yeah. And who are these fishermen? Regular people. Like literally, who are they? Yeah. They're they're Peter, Andrew, James, John. And what is he what is he doing? What did he do? Look down again at verse number verse number um, 10. In the middle of the verse, Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and what? Followed him. What is the purpose of this miracle? Yeah. To, to call what? Yeah, I heard it. Now you're with me. To, to call what? To call disciples. This miracle is a miracle of discipleship. He wants to show Peter, James, John, Andrew that he is everything that they need and that it's worth forsaking all to follow them. So you tell me, before I've got a few notes here, but how did he do that in this passage? How, in what ways is, is he showing them that he's everything they need? What are you going to say, Bill? He shows he can provide. I think that's probably the biggest thing in this as far as discipleship. Because these men, we all are called to a different level of discipleship, aren't we? I mean, it's all the same in that we're all called into intimacy with Christ. But how that works out in our individual lives is different, right? Like, spiritually speaking, there's equality. But in the physicality, the material aspects of our calling, it's different. These disciples were called to forsake their careers, to forsake their homes, to forsake everything and follow Christ. Did Jesus call all people into that level of discipleship? He didn't, actually. In fact, there were, there were other people that were wealthy people even that Jesus left them and they supported the church. They, it, later on, if, if you follow this through in the book of um, Acts, you see people like Lydia, who had, they didn't forsake all. They kept all, but what did they do with it? They deployed it for the youth. So there's different types of discipleship. We're all called into it. But for these guys, it's literally, all right, we're walking away from our jobs. We're walking away from our livelihood. And like Bill said, in this one miracle, in this first miracle, Jesus is calling them to step out by faith. But he doesn't just say, hey, trust me, it'll all work out. He says, let me show you what your life is going to be like. Isn't that really cool? Like at the very beginning, Jesus isn't just like... See, the heart of God is to reveal himself to us. God doesn't dwell in, in shadows and in, in hiding. He's, we have, this morning we were studying the revelation of God. God reveals himself to us. So it's not that Jesus says, all right, well you're going to follow me and just trust me, just trust me. Yes, he does say, just trust me, but he shows them. He says, look at what your life is going to be like. In fact, later on, they would see miracles and be astonished, and Jesus would literally say to them, oh, you think that's something? The faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. He's displaying his power. He's showing that I can provide for you. And so I think the theme of this, as we look at it, as we look at this this morning, it's really this miracle serves the purpose of calling these men into discipleship.
And I think we can take that same application for us as we look at the, the characteristics here and claim that discipleship, hear that calling, step out by faith. Because the disciples, these disciples are called to do something, you're called to do something, I'm called to do something. And it's going to be a, a step of faith. So the first theme I would point out to you, if you'd like to take notes, I don't have a handout for you, but I would encourage you to jot a few things down this morning. You saw here that Jesus called them in verse number four to launch out into the deep. There's been many a sermon preached off that text right there. Launch out into the deep. And really, it's, and I, and I think it's wholly appropriate for there to be sermons based on that phrase because that's the start of their discipleship, that launching out point, that point where they begin, and it is a launch of faith. How many of you can remember the first time in your new Christian life that God asked you to do something and you were like, man, I don't know if I can do that. Can anybody relate to something like that? Okay. Who, who would share one of the first things in their life where they said, God, I don't, maybe the, I saw some hands go up real fast. So maybe you remember the first thing God said, and Deborah, your hand went up quick. So I was curious what you were going to say. Like, is there something specific? Yeah, when we first started doing it, like in the summertime, there was a local uh, campground where they were doing a service before the service that we have on Sunday mornings, and so I think somebody started talking about a children's program, and I felt like, well, that's something I can do, but I was only like um, 16, probably, and I was really, really nervous to do it, but I did take the step of faith. Yeah, it's a launch out moment in life, where you're like, I don't think I can do this, but you know God is calling you to do that. Anybody else, something you remember, it was like, yeah, Miss Thompson. Missions. Oh, we're coming to missions, yeah, in, in two weeks. But well, do you have something specific? I felt like, really? I, when he was preaching and, and, and really? Uh, how about that? Yeah. yeah. Then, you talking about giving toward missions? or? Just, yes, giving, yes, giving, giving to missions. Yeah. On top of tithing. <laughs> Yeah, we're real radical around here, you know? It's like you give your tithe to the local church, and then we do faith promise on top of that, you know? We try to do this New Testament here and give as much as we can to, to, to missions. And we'll, you'll hear that in two weeks when we talk about missions. It'll be like, hey, man, get out your checkbook. You know, this, this gospel mission's got to be financed. So if the people of God aren't going to finance it, Bill Gates isn't doing it, <laughs> you know? The people of God had to take on that mission and give by faith. So, yeah, it's a launch up. For missions, for me, I remember whenever, when I was a kid, you know, you get birthday money or you do a little job. And my parents always trained us, you know, you give, you give a, a near 10% tithe and then you give a portion in addition to that to missions. Then I went to college and I didn't have a regular job. And I, I remember thinking about faith promise that we, and that's, that's our missions philosophy here is, Get time with God and, and make a faith step to say, Lord, if you provide this money, I'm going to give it. And I remember being in college, and I was like, Lord, I don't know, $75 a month. You know, I didn't have a job or anything, but Lord, I want to give $75 a month to missions. And so every month, the Lord provided it. $75 every month. The Lord, I didn't have a regular job. I do this here and there. But uh, every month, I had that $75 check that I was able to, we didn't have online giving back then, so I mailed it in, from Pensacola, put it in the mail, sent it back home. But that was a step of faith. And you know what? God revealed himself when I launched out by faith. Anybody else, a story of, in your life where it's like, whoo, you know, launch out. Yeah. I think similar to uh, a lot of 
was the first time that you present the gospel to someone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember it was probably 14, 15, just, you know, in high school. You're not, like, completely sure, and uh, you go with someone, maybe door knocking or whatever the case was, BBS, and then you get the opportunity to present, um, you know, uh, the gospel to an individual, and you're like, uh, uh. Yeah. But, uh, that's what I think is uh, a little nerve-wracking, you know, in your first few times, but... Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody, uh, somebody shared testimony with me a few months ago about it's a similar story about sharing their testimony with somebody, and they said that you know, they were a little bit nervous, but it was like the first time in their life where they, started, they felt the power of God giving the, filling them as they, as they shared their testimony. So, so we have these moments, these launch out, these, these moments of faith where we launch out. Well, why, why ultimately, why did Peter decide to launch out? Yeah, because Jesus spoke. If I, I couldn't have convinced Peter to do that, right? Like, J- Andrew couldn't, couldn't have been like, he'd be like, hey, bro, let's try it again, you know? Let's do it one more. He'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, we've been doing this long enough. You know, James and John weren't going to be like, you know, I think we should try one more time. But nobody, there was no person that could convince Peter to do something that, that he knew wouldn't work right? He knew wouldn't work. There's no person that would tell him, and, and he'd say, okay, I'd do it, but it was because Jesus said it. He didn't even believe, right? Did he have, like, what kind of faith is that, right? And we're all like, well, I'm not a great person of faith. I don't have a whole lot of faith. How much faith did Peter have right here? He's just like, well, I don't think this is going to work, but I'll do it anyway, it's like, oh yeah, that goes right down in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Like, uh, you know, and David and Samson and, and all these great people of faith, and then, and then Peter, well, I don't think this will work. Sounds like a lot of people that sit in Baptist churches, you know? Like, well, I don't think I could, well, whatever. But if I'm supposed to do it, I guess I'll do it. Hey, sometimes just simple obedience is, is enough faith to get us started, you know? Just taking that step in the direction and saying, okay, Lord, I'll go. I'll do it. So he launched out by faith, first of all, not because somebody had convinced him. You know, I, I try really hard when we, Mrs. Thompson brought up missions and stuff and giving, I try really hard to not make people feel that there's any arm twisting or pressure to give toward missions or anything. Why? Because whose voice do people have to hear? they got to hear the voice of God. So it's important to preach about it and teach about it but then it's important for people to listen to the voice of God because if you do anything in your Christian life because some other person, be it a pastor, a friend, anybody, because some other person has pressured you to do it, it's not going to last. Or you'll do something good in the flesh and then it'll burn you out because there's no gospel behind it. There's no faith, real faith behind it. So Peter, he goes because he heard the voice of Jesus. Nevertheless, at thy word, he says. We should launch out by faith because Jesus is calling us. But also, we should launch out by faith because we don't know what we don't know. What does that mean? That was my wise saying of the day. You put that in a fortune cookie. We don't know what we don't know. 
the idea is that like, if you could see, like some of you could look at your life now and where God has brought you from and what God has done, could you have ever imagined it would be the way it is right now? Right? But God has faith, faithfully brought you through. And for Peter, that's exactly what happened. He didn't know. Now, he might have thought, what may have Peter imagined? If in his, in his, maybe he had a little more faith than I gave him credit for. But what do you think Peter may have imagined best case scenario here if you're Peter? Yeah. You know, what have I got to lose? Worst case, I row out, row back. Best case, you bring in a net of fish, right? What do I got to, you know, what do I have to lose? What do I got to lose? Jesus told me. Best case scenario, I think, in Peter's mind is, you know, sure, maybe Jesus does something. In his wildest imagination, he never could have seen what was about to happen. Because Jesus blessed him abundantly. It wasn't something that they had ever even seen before. It wasn't, Jesus' miracle was so powerful, nobody could have been like, boy, he threw down another cast. You guys got lucky. Nobody, Jesus' demonstration of power was so, was so over the top, was so over the top that nobody could say that this just happened that way, that it was a lucky cast. Because when those nets came in, they're just like, I, I just see Peter, and, and this has been dramatized many, many times in different ways, but I see Peter and Andrew, they're just laughing, like, like I can't, I've never seen so many. And then, panic on their face, the net's breaking, the net's breaking. And then they're yelling over, and like, you know, you've got James and John looking from their boat, and they're just, you know, like staring, you know, hey, do something, get over here and help us. You know, and they all come together, and they're laughing, and they can't believe it. And then there's that moment where Peter's like, oh, you know, reality kind of hits him. But we, So that kind of leads to the second theme here. So we launch out by faith because Jesus spoke and because we don't know what we don't know. But Jesus is calling us to launch out into abundance. He's calling us to launch out into abundance. And that, we've got to remember that. But now Jesus' definition of abundance can be different than our definition of abundance, right? So now, if you have a carnal mindset and you're Peter, if you have a carnal mindset and you're Peter, at the end of this, what do you say to Jesus? Thanks for the fish. Okay, yeah, that's one thing. Peter, what else might you say? You got a carnal mindset. I know what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I got a little entrepreneur in me. I'd be like, should we buy another boat? Like, you know, maybe, uh, so what time we meet here tomorrow, Jesus? You know, same time, same place? Because that would be our definition of abundance, right? And the Lord blesses us, sometimes, sometimes materially, sometimes not. But when the Lord blesses us materially, this material blessing for these disciples was for when? Not real. This isn't a trick question. This material blessing was for when? Right then and right there. It was just like a few weeks ago. I forget when it was, but somebody talked about the manna. God gave the manna for when? The manna came for? Yeah, for today. It came for today. But we sometimes see the blessing of God, and what do we want to do? 
we want to just keep saying, okay, God, you've been good. Let's just keep pouring it on. Keep pouring it on. I'll buy something else. I'll do something more. Yeah, Bill. Notice Jesus said, let down your nets, plural. He said they let down their nets, singular. So they didn't exactly obey. <laughs> there might have been a bigger, uh, a bigger haul. That's right. Jesus will always meet the need. There is abundance. And he will provide more than you need. Of course, not necessarily more than you want. But by the end of this, by the end of this, the disciples were not carnally minded because carnally minded, they would say, if they were carnally minded, what would they have wanted? More fish, more boats, better nets, a better system, more, 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 more. Just like when they came, the, the crowds came to Jesus, what was the primary motivation for the crowds coming to Jesus? More food. He fed them once. Maybe he'll feed us again. More miracles, more healings, more stuff, stuff, stuff. Give me the stuff, give me the stuff, give me the stuff. It's really sad. We have whole denominations in Christendom that are geared toward people getting stuff from God. You know, that God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be wealthy. You know, you know and it's, it's, it's harmful. But when the disciples, they don't have that carnal mindset like the the crowds did, what did they want more of at the end of this miracle? They wanted more, yeah, they wanted more Jesus. They looked at everything God had given them. And this is the thing, like, this is a struggle that we all have to deal with because God, because the Bible talks a lot about money. God can bless us materially, but when we get those material blessings, can they become a curse and a trap to us where we just want more of those instead of more of the giver who gives the gifts, right? And that's a, that's, a, 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 that's a balance that I've walked through in my life. You know, as soon as God blesses, there's a temptation to love the blessing more than the blesser. So just remember, the blessings of God are for today. That's not necessarily for tomorrow. Tomorrow, Jesus said, Today is your day. Tomorrow will take care of itself. That's a walking by faith. That's walking by faith. But Jesus, we can, what we can expect when we launch out by faith, we can expect to launch out into abundance. The blessing of God is an abundant life. Sometimes physically, but always spiritually. So by the end, Peter, James, John, Andrew... They don't want more fish. They want more of Jesus. And so what happens now is they launch out into the... the, So I've got they launch out by faith. They launch out into abundance. But notice this. They're launching out into perfect acceptance. Where am I getting that from? Look at verse number 8. If you remember, I kind of was dramatizing a little bit. I see these guys all laughing and, and just, just hurrying and panic a little bit, and they're pulling all the fish in. But then it all gets real for Peter in verse number 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, what did he say? Go ahead, what did he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He said, Jesus, I am not worthy to be, I'm not worthy to follow you. Jesus, you need to get far away from me. 
It's the heart of Peter. Now, Peter's always pretty rash, right? Peter, you're not the one that called Jesus. Jesus called you. So if it's time for you to leave, he's going to tell you to leave. But he has a good heart in this moment. He's got a humble heart. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse number 9. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. As so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, two words, say them, fear not. Don't be afraid, Simon. It's going to be okay. And in those words, fear not, Simon's just a crumbled mess on the ground, unworthy before God. And Jesus says, Simon, don't be afraid. I accept you. Not because you're a wonderful person, Simon, because you're, but because Simon had a heart for God. And he had a humble heart. He had a repentant heart. He had a heart that, that he understood his own sinfulness. And Jesus, and Jesus says, I accept you. And he gives him a plan. Peter says, I'm unworthy. Jesus says, Oh, yeah? Well, now you're going to go out and you're going to catch a whole lot of, not fish, but you're going to be, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. How many of you sang that song, maybe? Jesus, I'm going to make you, you are going to fish for men. And Peter's like, I don't know what that means. That sounds cool to me. I don't know if Peter knew or not. I just kind of imagine those guys that way. Okay, fishing for men. Here we, here we go. And Jesus calls him and accepts him despite his inadequacies. Despite his inadequacies. And Jesus has a plan for us despite our inadequacies. They say that, what is the, what is the saying that, that is, God doesn't uh, call the equipped, but he equips the called, right? He doesn't call us because of our abilities. He gives us the abilities to match his calling on our lives. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, But the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren. Th- this, is, this is great. This is, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And like what a kind of like a backhanded compliment here. He's like, you see your calling, brethren. Not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Did you get what he was saying to the church there? He's like, hey, Corinthians, yeah, you, you guys should understand. There, there aren't a lot of wise people. There aren't a lot of strong and noble people, but some weak people. But God, God chooses the weakness of men to confound the mighty. And that's the call to discipleship. And God can use anybody to accomplish his will. I mean, in the Old Testament, he used... Balaam's donkey to accomplish his will. So there's hope for you. There's hope for me. God has a, has a, a calling for each of us. And then, but ultimately, the, the, the miracle, and God will do a miracle in your life, maybe not this dramatic, but he'll, he'll show his, his strength. He'll meet your need. He'll show his abundance. But at the end, he's going to call us to a deeper level of commitment, to a deeper level of surrender. Because that's where this miracle leads to. You see what it says. It says in verse 11, after Jesus told them that they would catch men, verse 11 it says, And 
when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They, they forsook everything. Their jobs, their possessions, they forsook it all. They let go. They had a new purpose. There were new values, right? I mean, think about the value system of their culture and the new value system they're adopting. Right? What are the value systems of our culture? Education, which leads you to what? Starts with a good education, leads you to a... I hear it. You guys know this, right? Leads you to a what? Good job. Career leads you to maybe a promotion. Kayla's giving me this signal back there. Money, 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 right? Which leads you to taking some of that money and putting it in, you know, your 401k and your retirement. And then cashing it out at the end. Going to Florida or something. I don't know how it works. Whatever. That's the value system of our culture. And there's some good things about that value system. I'm not saying it's even an unbiblical value system, but it's not the ultimate value system. Peter, James, and John, Andrew, they have their culture's value system. But Jesus is calling them to a higher level of living. And that's the life in him, the life dedicated to him. New purpose, new values, but ultimately they have a new master, in Jesus. So, why do we have this miracle here? What is the point of this launching out in this abundant um, draft of fish? Well, I believe that the purpose here is the purpose here is for these men and then for you and I to hear the call. So, where are you at in your discipleship journey? What is God impressing on your heart now? He's saying, hey, launch out. Take the step. Take the step. Can't answer that for you. That's between you and the Lord. But we're given this parable, or not parable, we're given this miracle to meditate on that. So I'll leave you with that thought this morning. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the Bible study today. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, these saints, this church. Lord, I, I thank you for the, the holy calling you've placed in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to follow you faithfully and obediently. I pray for those that might be struggling with, a, with your call on them, Lord, that they would, they would hear your voice and they would, they would see your worthiness. Lord, that we would all understand that, that your plan for us is best. Help us to follow you faithfully. Now I pray that you'd bless our worship service in a few minutes. Help us to sing joyfully. Help us to give cheerfully. Lord, and help us to listen carefully as the word of God goes forth. So we pray all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.